stop killing of Christians, stop discriminating against Christians. Saddam didn't let anyone leave. If you get caught, they can hang you. Secret Service slap them around. We're gonna kill you all. We were crying the whole time. I was in turmoil. And you created me in a place that have turmoil. Why didn't you create me somewhere else? Why do we have to go through this? Why the whole world is in a peace. And I was really scared. Struggle to be alive, to be with the family, and struggle with the Lord. I haven't been since I left. So it's all these bad memories I had, and especially with the war, it's not safe. But maybe one day, maybe visit. <laughs> if the Lord calls us to go and serve, I'm willing. I've actually never been to the Middle East. Iraq has just never really been a safe place through my whole lifespan. Would love an opportunity to go to any of the surrounding area at some point. I have not been to the Middle East, but I would love to go to somewhere in the Middle East at some point. Faith now, she was telling us that she had a dream that she was in Jordan and all these kids coming to her she said, yeah, this is a good opportunity for me to share the gospel with these kids. I speak Arabic. She felt like that's oh, God is calling me really to go. A friend of us from church, she's going to Jordan. She's raising funds to go and serve in Jordan. Faith got really encouraged to join her. I'm not interested. <laughs> An Iraqi TV interviewed us. They asked me if I'd be interested to go back. I said, two conditions. Stop killing of Christians, stop discriminating against Christians. And I know those things are continue happening in one way or another. I was 18, I was to be drafted and the family said, you must leave for your sake. When the bus moved, Back then, my father was crying. We took the bus because the war with Iran was blocking the flights. You go through crossing point, the general that signed on my paper did not see that I'm 18. He thought I'm older. Says a third year in a, in a class, and he thought it was a third year in a university. The angel of the Lord blinded his eyes, so he signed off. The fleeing part was a, was a, scary event because I thought if I'm passing and these checkpoints, if they realized this is an error, then I'll be in big trouble. If you get caught that you're fleeing, they can hang you and put your family in trouble also. They were in trouble all the time because of us. My brother was put in the front line to be killed because of us. Secret Service police comes and ask them to attend meetings and slap them around and tell them, if your children have fled, we're gonna kill you all. But the Lord blinded them one after another, one after another. My sister, who was an engineer, she went to England for training. She met me at the airport in Jordan. So she called them and told them I made it out. And I made it to Rome. Italy, that's where my paper were, uh, to flee to Rome, but I didn't know a soul in Rome. I didn't speak Italian. I didn't know where to go. I just 18 years old and like a kid who's lost. The other refugees said, well, there is 3,000 of us here. 
and you are the last in the line, better go somewhere else. Go to Greece. I said, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay here because uh, I knew this is where my brothers went to America and I'm not going to take another flight and unknown. I was there seven months because President Reagan at that time said, if you have a family member in America and you're under 21, you can join them. And so the last guy in the line became the first guy in the line and I made it to America. It is, this is gonna be difficult. It is hard uh, because um, it took uh, 10 years before I saw them. Saddam didn't let anyone leave. As soon as we were allowed to leave, we left everything. We drove from Baghdad to Jordan in the middle of the night and stayed there for six months. We applied to, um, uh, to immigrate to America and thankfully we had all our papers ready for us because my mom applied 10 years before. I was 20 years old when we left and it was hard. We were crying the whole time because we knew we we're never going to go back. And I never did since then. The night before I left, I was in turmoil inside of me. I was really, really in a struggle with the Lord and asking him, what is he doing? And why do we have to go through this? Why the whole world is in a peace. You brought me and you created me in a place that I have turmoil. Why didn't you create me somewhere else that I don't have to deal with this and struggle to be alive and to be with a family and struggle to be a person, to live your life, a normal life. And, uh, and I was really scared. I stayed in the square in the middle of a city called Lido di Ostia. It's a suburb of Rome. I didn't know anyone there. So I just stood with my luggage and another refugee came walking and he saw me and he says, hey, somebody have a bed if you'd like to rent a bed. Do I have a choice? I went and rented that bed. I went to their Bible study because I was searching and I was in turmoil internally and very unhappy. The man who was there shared the gospel and I realized I needed that. The first time I ever heard the gospel, I accepted him. That was the turning point, and the man did discipleship, and he fed me, also invited me for a meal. He loved me and showed me care. I became born again. I came to America. I was scared. Still 18. They put us in the hotel from the immigration. My father gave me $3,000 when I left, all his savings. So I came with a little bit of money, and then I'm like, I'm in New York and I'm scared that somebody's gonna come and rob me. So I hid them in the, in the mattress. The next day I forgot them when we left. <laughs> but I was able to get them back because they were traveler chicks. I made it another flight the next day to join my brothers, and, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a car, didn't have a job, didn't speak fluently. I started doing restaurant work here from a waiter to assistant manager to manager, studying part-time, thinking I'll make it in this kind of work. After that, I met some Arabic ministry, and that's when I started attending the Arabic church in 1984, and I'm still there. From Jordan to California, that's where I got to know the Lord more. 
I heard the gospel for the first time in a cassette with worship songs and a testimony, but I didn't know this is the way of salvation until I met Jalil and he explained what salvation is and how he became a born-again believer. I never worked. We all had to work <laughs> because we have to live. We didn't realize that how hard people work to make it. My dad, it was like an age of retirement, so he couldn't do much there. I had to work with family, work in a deli. Me and my sister, my brother, my mom even never worked. She has to babysit so we can survive and live. I used to go home and cry because I'm standing on my feet for hours. <laughs> yeah. I realized that God is moving things for me and that prayer that I prayed the night before, he heard my prayers and he's telling me that you're not alone and I'll be with you. So he saved me physically and then he saved me spiritually. So the Lord took care of me. The Lord was good. He provided for us. He did provide. People are nice. Like There's no war. We can live in peace and this is, became home for me. Like This is home. My wife is a gift from God. My mother asked me, what would you like in a wife? How would she look like? I described a woman to her, and my mom said, ah, that woman will be from this tribe, from this family, from this center of Iraq. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I was telling you about somebody else. Some other culture, not our culture. She's like, no, I'm telling you. We met at an engagement party in California. We didn't know each other from Iraq, so we connected because we are from the same background, from Iraq, Christian, that's how we start talking. He asked for my number in the beginning. I said, I don't want to give him his number. I don't know, I was nervous. <laughs> we got to talk and that's it. From then, we just got connected. He's really nice, good-looking man. He talked about his faith first, loves the Lord with all of his heart. I haven't seen a person like that. So I was attracted to him from that time, yeah. My mom said to me, where is she from and all that. She was the one. So when I saw that, I'm like, ah, that's the one. It's like the angel of the Lord took drawing and says, here she is. And my mom was correct. When I met him, I said, if he loves the Lord, I'm sure he's going to love me forever. <laughs> I wasn't a believer at that time, so he uh, explained to me what faith is. I, I became a believer. She makes everything good. She wants everything to be done right. She's my lady. I was not interested in the ministry, but the church needed somebody to be with it, and I had love for this church. Sundas, my wife, saw it ahead of me. We were in California, we moved there for two years, and she said, let's move back. I think God wants you to go back to seminary and become the pastor of the Arabic church. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's not my plan or my thoughts. But then uh, came back and became the pastor of the Arabic church because I just wanted to be a blessing as the one before me, there were blessings as well. I uh, served with the children teach Sunday school, help the kids. Also, I am involved with the ladies. We have Bible study bi-weekly and we go visitation. Um, support Jerry in anything that he needs me to do, so I'm there for them. I'm a member of two bodies. I serve in student ministry. I've been with 
my ninth grade girls since they were in seventh grade. So this is my third year with them. Lifelong member of the Arabic church that my dad pastors. I've enjoyed serving in different capacities as a pastor's kid does. Occasionally teaching Bible studies for my peers. I'm involved in community church. We have college ministry that meets on campus and also my dad's church. I started singing in the Arabic church when I was 10 years old. So it's been a decade now of growing in my gifts because of the opportunities that I've been given and entrusted over the years. The congregation is Arabic speaking primarily, but whenever I get to come and sing in English, it's like a sweet treat for them to get something different. The Bible mentioned orphans and strangers in the same verse. They are in the same boat, and they both are our responsibility as a church. We will see ministries for orphans, and which is wonderful. I created my nonprofit because I went to a church and asking for help for Iraqi refugees. They said we help organizations, so go create an organization so we might help you. WRC, World Refugee Care, we help people physically and spiritually. The last three years we've trained 20 leaders in, in Australia, in Iraq, in Turkey, in Greece, in Germany, in Holland, Belgium. I work online to train pastors, to plant churches among refugees, to let the people know that God loves them. Uh, they are important. They need to know Him, and this is the opportunity that God opened for us to know Him and be saved. I would say I've been faithfully following the Lord and it's a joy just letting Him lead and guide my life and not trying to be the creator of my story but letting Him be the creator of my story and that means listening where He wanted me to go to college and now listening to what He wants me to do as a career which is really cool and just letting Him be the author. I feel like the Lord has really protected me and, and from a lot of the things that I could have been involved in and really shaped my story. If I live a godly life, and they will just follow that too. So we have to be an example first before we expect anything else from them. It's important that enforce it on them, but let them come to it when they are in age of maturity. Give the most important thing to our kids, which is Christ Jesus. If you give that, all other things will be aligned. This is Todd. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Todd the dog. <laughs> yeah. He's the boss. Todd Dawood. We have to give him a last name. <laughs>